how would you like to read the text that we're going to break down today? Wow. I'm getting so many privileges today. I, I'm, I'm honestly like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, look at this, man. Like, I'll be here happy. Don't, don't right. worry. I got a cookie or a donut waiting for you. Right. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> See, when you're shackled to a bed all day, um, <laughs> things like this just become super exciting for you. <laughs> Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast episode number four. I'm your host, Daniel, and we are back at it again with Dre, a.k.a. Jonathan. What do we have in store for the people today? Actually, before we even get into that, how are you doing today? Man, I'm exhausted, man. I was just at the garden watering plants with my mom, and that heat was killing me, man. But, you know. (laughs) Got a nice little heat wave out here in New York. So at the time of this recording, it's like 90 degrees, 90 something degrees. Feels like 100 out there, for being honest. And that New York air is a little bit different, too, because there's no breeze. It's just dry. It's really humid outside. It, it chokes you out. So welcome now, to summer, I've, everybody. I've experienced worse. I was in Fresno, California. And let me tell you, mm. when I got off the plane, and I that hot hit hit me, man. I was like, yo, no cool breeze, hot air. So that to me was probably the worst when it came to experiencing the sun's effect. Especially with no breeze. That heat was killing me over there, especially during practice and, oh, and yeah, you know, you preparing got for the, games. You yeah. Got the helmet on and all the equipment on. Yeah, I could I could imagine. Yeah. It wasn't pleasant. Don't miss it at all. Can you imagine like Vegas or like Arizona then? It's probably worse than that. I can imagine <laughs> that as well. Let's so. not think about uh, Death Valley and places like that. Uh, mm-hmm. To get into the podcast today, what a, what's, what's, the, what's the goal for today? Are we continuing with the First John series or are we doing something else? No, we're going to continue with the First John series, but I'm also going to touch on a little bit of something I said last week. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because, you know, this topic we are discussing today, I'm very passionate about. It's also something I think that's missing in society as a whole. And I think that the best thing to do now is to make an effort to share it and hope that people pick up on it and start practicing it. You know, I think the hardest thing to do is to break one habit and to enforce a change. Right. So I agree. So what might, what might that be? Because I'm interested now. Yeah, so what I began to understand while walking with God is there are points in which, you know, he continues to, to actually surprise me. You know, he actually makes things happen in ways that I never really anticipated or considered. Right. And when I would pray and ask God for something, I would imagine that he would do it in one way. And guess what? He ends up doing it in a completely different way than I anticipated. You know, if there's anything that, upon reflecting as a kid, that I want to involve in this conversation is, remember when daddy would say, don't go asking God for a bag of chips, knowing you got a dollar in your pocket pocket to get it? And that, you know, (laughs) we were kids. And as young kids, our understanding of a God was, you know, well, childlike. And, you know, if I had to think about it, 
our favorite bag of chips was the Red Hots, right? Yeah, it's the it's the UTZ brand Red Hot chips. I, I remember those. Yeah, yeah. I haven't well, had didn't them in you? A while. Now that I think about it. Yeah, that high blood pressure. <laughs> 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 Too much of those definitely have your heart racing a bit. It's good, but <laughs> you definitely don't want those problems. But if there's anything that I couldn't, what happened? So not sponsored, by the way. Yeah, you know, I agree. Go ahead. They'll get over it, though. But didn't you hate it when you would open a bag of chips and it wasn't evenly distributed with red hot flavor on it? It was more of the plain potato chips than red hot. I ain't going to lie. I used to pray that I'll pick up the right bag of chips with it, you know? Yeah, I remember you used to tell me that too. Like, <laughs> you come back from the store, you'd be like, yo, uh, I said it before, especially on like uh, Thanksgiving. You'd be like, yo, I said, I said a small prayer before I went and brought the chips to make sure that we got like the really red hot ones. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I was disappointed. Like, I did not ask for potato chips. I asked for red hot. And when it didn't, I was highly disappointed. So but you think that, the reason you got mm-hmm. like... The, the crappy bag was because you went against honor and your mother and father. <laughs> Stop it. Was it punishment? <laughs> no. He's <laughs> stupid. I don't think it was God, punishment. God uh, dishing out, uh, what is it, divine punishment? <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe he was like, for what you did, and you just because your parents didn't see, I saw it. So now, you know, you're going to be disappointed in your mill. <laughs> Now, I will say that there are a few biblical verses that I learned to understand in time, just like I understood praying for a bag of chips. It's not something that is advertised, right? But that you learn to understand our creator. You learn to understand when and how God intends to answer our prayers. So I want to take you, to, take you through a couple of verses that made sense to me in time before we get started with the First John series and to the, into this really deep discussion. So, for one, I want to look at Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9. And it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts, than your thoughts. So, you know, one thing I realized is you sort of have to think about your life as a timeline, right? You have a beginning and an end. And the way we look at our lives is we pay real attention to the details that matter to us. And I believe God is a God that looks at the big picture and doesn't look at the small little things that happen. He's a God of process and it's about change and longevity, right? So, Remember the verse I used last week? It was Peter chapter 3, verse 8, when it says, With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The way that God looks at time isn't the same way we look at time. And because of that, you know, our approach to certain things are not similar. Even though our goal is to be more like him, we have to understand that because we are, be- are actually created by him, that Our goal is to strive to be like him, but there is no way of actually being and thinking like him to the degree in which he is because he's God, right? I remember Jesus saying that we can strive to be like our creator, but we'll never be our creator. So that verse, it took some time for me to understand because, you know, the way I would pray about certain things, I 
would pray with the intent that God would answer it in the specific way that I thought he would answer it. And you know mm-hmm. what? It didn't happen that way. And that verse helped me understand why and how God can answer things in a way that's different. And I have to come to understand that. Now, I think about Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 34, that says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and decisions and how unfathomable and untraceable are his ways. For who has known, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, right? So God's ways are much different. And how he arrives at, at conclusions is completely different. I think actually about the book of Samuel, chapter 16, verse 7, when it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Again, the way that we look at things is we're looking at the outward appearance. But God is looking deeper than that. He's looking at the human heart. And the way he makes decisions is not the same. Read that last part of that verse one more time. It says, for the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let that breathe for a second. You ever just get goosebumps when you read the Bible or like hear certain um, verses? Yeah, it usually comes when after a praise and worship experience Mm. where you're prepared, your heart is prepared, your mind is prepared. And I think God has a way of moving in that period of time where certain things hit you differently, right? And music in general has a way of hitting people differently because of the experiences that you have and the way it makes you feel. I think that's what's so powerful about music, especially in the movie experience, right? Mm -hmm. Movie experience where you hear a certain song at a certain moment and it's somehow relatable to you. You just feel it differently. It hits differently, right? Mm -hmm. It reminds you of something that's happened in your past. So without a doubt, I've learned that an experience hits me differently depending on the situation. Well, that one definitely hit me differently. That's why I was like, yo, I, I can't even let you continue on real quick. You know, we had to let that one sit. That's why even if it's just a few seconds, just, you know, mm-hmm. it's really brief. But, yeah. uh, you know, continue on. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that verse in itself helped me understand the way God looks at us, right? That obviously for us, per- personal preference comes to play. But for God, that's not what it is. All things that God's created is beautiful, and all things that God has created has value. The only thing is, it's how does that value play a role? Not in just your life, but in general. And to me, that's something I think us as human beings miss sometimes. And, you know, lastly, I want to mention this verse. Now, this verse also hit me as well. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. It says, Those who think they know something, do not yet know as they ought to know. Let me say that again. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. So even though this verse that Paul mentions is really about an individual he, he thinks about, right? It's really about an individual. 
He's also saying that even though an individual has arrived at a certain level of knowledge, guess what, right? There's still so much to understand and retain. And I believe we can say the same thing when it comes to God and his very nature. You know, pretty good uh, analogy for that or something I've heard. It's like when it comes to fighting, you know, um, this is like low, low Bruce Lee since everybody knows Bruce Lee, right? Mm-hmm. He says a punch is a punch. A punch is more than a punch. A punch is not just a punch or uh, wow. as, uh, a punch is a, yeah, it's like a punch is a punch. A punch is more than a punch. A punch is just a punch. But it it basically means like, okay, if I just, for example, if I threw a jab at you, right? Mm-hmm. You just think a jab is like just a quick little punch. But then as you start to learn, like if you box or you do uh, mixed martial arts or just learn anything about fighting, then you'd start to realize so many things that a jab does. It controls range. It helps you set up your own rhythm. It disrupts rhythm. It's used as a measuring stick. It, it does so many different things. And you can win an entire fight by just using a jab. But as you gain and perceive that knowledge and through experience and you doing it multiple times over the years through like sparring matches and like actual matches that you may have like in the course of your career, then it comes down to a jab just becomes just a jab. But I feel like it had the same. Second uh, Corinthians uh, verse two had the same just same impact, just just in a different way. you know. Yeah, it does. It's just basically elaborating on this idea that just because you have in you know you have grown in knowledge and insight doesn't mean you got it all together, right? It's that knowledge and insight that over time you start to break down and you start to really have a better understanding of it, right? Wisdom is usually something that's not acquired until something that has to transpire, and that's experience. Through that experience then can wisdom really blossom and really play a role, not just in advice that you give other people because you went through it, but it's also an opportunity to sharpen and improve upon the information that you have. Because a lot of people go to the library and they read and they learn things. And guess what? The way that they exemplify that information is incorrect. The way that they use it makes absolutely no sense, right? Well, a lot of because, people, you know, I feel like we have a lot of theorists in the world, but not enough practitioners. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, Daniel. That's a very good point. I think that's what's going on is that there are a lot of people that obtain information, but then don't know how to use it. And therefore, just because you studied and you got in a degree doesn't mean that the person that's receiving the information that you're dishing out can accept it in a way that they can apply it but instead it becomes how you communicate that information to somebody how you share it how you express it and how you live it out i think that stands out more than anything right so how does this all tie into the first john series if you don't mind me asking yeah so the way that this all ties into the first john series is that in time as i studied myself approved I began to build up a level of understanding about the way in which God responds to certain things. And now the text that I would read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 through 22, as with several other things, will allow me to build a case to answer this question, right? It's really a multifaceted question, but I think 
that this is a question that's haunted me personally, and I'm pretty sure it haunts a lot of us, right? And it's how does one experience the love of God? What is the love of God? And why should we practice loving one another? Mm, that is indeed a good question to answer. Shall we go to the Lord in prayer today? Yeah, so how about you lead us in prayer today? Me lead us in prayer. What yeah, a, yeah. Change the scenery. What change a different uh, opportunities. Voice. Yeah. So on the spot once again. This is two this is two podcasts in a row, man. Okay, um let's all bow our heads and Just taking in a moment to just feel the energy as I usually do before I pray. Okay. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, I hope you are good. And all is well with you. I come to you today to ask for a few things. Keep our hearts pure. Open our minds so that we can view the things we hear with an empathetic perspective. Ask that the standpoints that are heard today can be a benefit to all who hear it. If heard and liked, ask that this understanding never leaves them and always be stored with them and available for future use. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Interesting. Took some of the Lord's prayer and personalized it. I'm 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 shocked. Yeah. Well, I'm shocked here. It's funny because the, the I always use that whether I'm going to bed, like before I'm going to bed, or like even when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I always do is just recite the Lord's Prayer so I can get my day started. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Just out of curiosity, uh, why didn't you mention Jesus' at name at all in the prayer? Um, well, Jesus and God are one, right? So okay. most of the time I just see them as the same person, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. I don't always feel the need to go through, like, I don't know, just mixing them up. It's like they're the same person, so I feel like mm. I'm talking to both. Okay, well, hopefully at some point I can tell you why I think it's important to mention Jesus' name in a prayer. But for now, you know, we're praying to the same God. We believe in the same God. But I was just curious to ask you that question. Okay, moving forward. Now, how would you like to read the text that we're going to break down today? Well, I'm getting so many privileges today. I, I'm, I'm honestly like, <laughs> like, look, like, look at this, man. Like, I'll be here happy. Don't, don't right. worry. I got a cookie or a donut waiting for you. All right? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> see, when you're shackled to a bed all day, um, <laughs> things like this just become super exciting for you. <laughs> well, it's, it's important that you're inclusive, yo. You're involved. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, you all go right. ahead. Go ahead. So, First John chapter 3, verses 17 through 22 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth 
and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Man, you should be the designated reader. Sometimes I be mispronouncing <laughs> the words. I'm a pretty good reader, but man, you should be the designated reader from now on. <laughs> good job, good job, good job. You even read it. You stopped where the commas were better than I did. <laughs> Ain't gonna lie. Sometimes I fly through things. I have so much going on in my mind that, you know, I messed up a few times. But man, I got to give it to you. That was well done. That was well Thank done. Thank you. You know, it's funny, something. Um, I don't think I've uh-huh. ever told you this. Um, okay. What I wanted to do for a living was I wanted to be a narrator, like read audio books. Really? Yeah. So what's stopping you from that dream? What's stopping me from it? Um, I think it's just a lack of confidence, honestly, because I listen to quite a bit of audio books. Like, it's funny now. I always buy an audiobook with the book that I'm reading. And if it doesn't mm-hmm. have it, then I'm like, oh, man, this thing has no audiobook. You know, I'll still read it, but it's just nice to read it from the author, uh, the author's perspective. Or if they had somebody professional read it, you'd be like, wow, do you hear this guy's voice? Like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then um, sometimes, just in comparison, I feel like, eh, maybe my voice isn't there. And then I'll hear, like, my friends or, you know, other um media stuff that i do people be like oh well, mm-hmm. you actually have a great voice but i just never really took it to art so i guess it's just a lack of confidence at the end of the day well in time you learn your gifts talents and abilities and then you kind of embark upon how you can utilize them sometimes you learn late sometimes you learn early but i think this is definitely something you should consider and chase after never give up on your dreams man you don't have kids right you don't have those problems so now this is your opportunity to still pursue them. So I encourage you as your brother that that's something you should go after. Thanks, dude. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. That's what I'm here for, man. Brotherly love, right? Right, right live All on right. the podcast. Truth of the matter is. Okay. Huh? <laughs> All right. So let's, let's, get, let's, get, let's get down to business here because okay. this is a lot we're going to talk about. And I'm very passionate and I just can't wait, you know, in preparation. I couldn't wait. All right. To really unpack this text, we need to address a few things, right? Last week, I mentioned the definition of love. And for those who have been asking, it can be found in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And I'll read this. And I'm going to break it down, right? Because it's important. It's going to play a huge role in the discussion. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. So when we look at this definition of love, and I'm going to personalize it a little bit, and I'm going to talk about when I came into the body of Christ and I started living out my Christianity. This is one of the verses that stuck with me. And this is one of the verses I did the best that I can in applying it, right? So when we talk about being patient, right? Everybody knows that. But it's very hard, right? 
Patience is a virtue. There are a lot of people that struggle with patience. They struggle with patience if they're waiting online at the doctor's office or they're waiting online at the grocery store. They struggle with patience when it comes to do with talking or dealing with somebody that you're relying on and you want help from, right? Kindness, right? Love is kind. I think a lot of people struggle with that as well because to be kind when someone is treating you terribly is a task for itself, right? A lot of people question, why am I being kind to a person who's looking down on me or who's treating me like trash? Where's the value in that, right? A lot of the the struggle within the mind has to do with the response that a person is giving you, right? And it makes you feel like they don't deserve it, right? But the thing about love is love has no boundaries, right? You have to see through the reason why they're acting like that, and you have to choose love over what in the way that a person is treating you, right? Then it says, it is not envy, right? You don't want to be envious of somebody. It is not boastful. It is not proud. So the boast, obviously, is to, you know, speak highly of yourself, right? To get to, to come to a place where you think you're above someone, right? It is not proud, right? So the same thing in the line when it comes to being boastful. Being proud is being like you feel like no one can come to you. You are unapproachable about what your perspective is, your insight, your view on things, and you're not willing to adjust or to change or to, you know, come to a different conclusion based upon new information, right? It does not dishonor others. So <laughs> a lot of people have a a way about them where they tend to want to dishonor somebody else's name, destroy their name, put them in a place of embarrassment, right? Make them feel like they're not valued, make them feel like they're not important, right? That's dishonoring others. It is not self-seeking. So imagine I'm trying to buy something for you or I'm buying something for my mom. And let's say you didn't have it financially. And let's say that the example is Mother's Day. What I would do is we would take the gift, bring it to our mom, but in return, what I decide to do is behind the scenes, oh, yeah, he couldn't pay for it. I paid for the most of it, right? Oh That's self-seeking, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Because you're seeking edification and value and acknowledgement when the other person's not there. And when you knew the situation, well, you know what? You wanted to make sure that you self-elevated yourself, right? When the other person's not there, right? It is not easily angered. So if something occurs, being easily angered is taking out that frustration on them because they did wrong, right? Us as human beings should know that mistakes happen. And because you know mistakes happen, you should not be easily angered. And I understand how frustrating it might be, but you have to practice that saying to yourself, relax, take a deep breath, right? And I always reference to James, right? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, because anger does not produce the righteousness our God father you know wants us to have so that's a challenge right keeps no record of wrongs how often do people keep records of wrongs when you wrong me they bring it up every time oh remember uh-huh. what you did <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you can <laughs> it sounds like you can definitely you know remember those moments people are constantly holding stuff over your head making sure that you don't forget what happened 
right? There's that going on. And, you know, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. You know, so this is something that I've always kept in mind, right? It always protects, right? If you need something, I'm going to protect you. If you need to go somewhere, I'm there for you, right? Always trust. That's the big issue going on, right? People don't trust, right? Always hopes, always preserves, love never fails. So obviously I can go into deep details about trust and about hope and about preserving, right? And to me, that'll be a discussion for another day when it comes with love and relationships, and we can get into that another time. But the point is that definition in love is very powerful, and there's so many elements to it that, you know, it. we can go on for days breaking down that definition and showing how it plays out in society. Was there something you wanted to say? No, I was, I was just I was just vibing with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, so sometimes when I look at these verses, I like to sit with them, break it down, and be like, yo, I see this happening. I see that happening. That happened to me. I understand how that feels. And therefore, when you can put yourself within the verse, that's how the verse becomes valuable to you. And it becomes something that you should strive to want to do, right? You should mm-hmm. Something that you should strive to want to improve for yourself. And it's a standard. It's a standard that helps you do the best that you can to strive for them. So now that we've discussed that, you know, scripture in more detail, because I mentioned it last week. Now, let me talk about how it plays a role, especially in Jesus' day. One of the major issues that Jesus came to address was the condition of the human heart, right? One of the things you said that you want to just sit and, you know, marinate on was the verse that I used about how God looks at the human heart and he doesn't look at the physical appearance. Well, Jesus came to address the human heart. In fact, one of the major issues we have today has a lot to do with the issues of the heart, right? When Jesus addressed the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he spoke about their ability to recite the law. But the problem was they didn't have compassion for others. They lacked one word, love. Jesus would say, woe to you experts in law because you loaded people down with burdens that they can hardly carry. And you yourselves would not lift a finger to help them. They were lacking love, compassion, kindness, and they were full of greed, selfishness, arrogance and self-edification. So the two most important laws that sum up the whole Mosaic law are, do you have an idea, Daniel? Um, if I remember correctly, I think it was, because it always reminds me of like those little uh, like preschool church songs. I think it was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second one is, um, oh, it's really basic. It's the one they tell people even in kindergarten love your neighbor as you know you love yourself exactly very good yo very good right now let's look at that text here that provides a beautiful example about what you just read daniel let's look at mark chapter 10 verse 19 through 23 uh you would you know like the commandments okay you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. 
and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? All right, cool. Now, there's a lot we can address here. But the thing to focus here is that Jesus said he loved him. And also he mentioned that he lacked something, right? So in episode two, I spoke about how there are many gods in the world. For some people, it's money, believe it or not. We shouldn't keep it. We should also keep in mind when it comes to following Jesus, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that we have to deny ourselves. In fact, what a lot of people don't realize is that Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be what, Daniel? Given to you as well. Beautiful. Now, when I read that text, I wondered, why didn't Jesus stop him? from leaving. He did say that he loved them, right? But I realized that loving someone sometimes is letting them go. You see, free will is a sign of love that God has given us. I also want to encourage everyone to read the prodigy son, right? It's a very important text. So I just want to make sure I get into more detail and relate it back to, you know, personal experience and also everyday life. Sometimes when you love somebody, sometimes hammering them, sharing them information, especially the gospel, is not the way to go. Let me say that again. Sometimes when you love somebody, hammering them and sharing the gospel to them is not the way to go. Sometimes you have to let them be. You have to let them come to something I call self-discovery, right? Self-discovery is very important. And it's very important because through life's experiences and challenges, then can a person learn about God? And then can a person come to their senses? And that's really what the prodigy son story is about, the parable the story. And I want to encourage everybody to, you know, take a look at that. And obviously, we don't have the time for that. But I definitely wanted to make sure that I make that known, right? So again, when it comes to loving somebody, sometimes the best thing to do is to let them come to self-discovery. Let them come to realize that the space and time of being by themselves, the space and time of experiencing life for what it is, can sometimes lead them to wanting to come back to get further information. Or them realizing that, you know, it's not so hot on the other side, right? It's not so green on the on the other side of the grass, right? So that's something that I think is is important that we should always keep in mind. Love sometimes is letting a person go. Let mm-hmm. them come to understand why they are in a place. Now, as it relates back to the first John text, right? Is that I'm just strolling down to make sure I check it out. Okay. When we look back at the first John text, I want to address a few things because it's important that we unpack it before I leave you with the main point. Right? Point number one, seeing someone in need and yet ignoring them is something that I've witnessed while traveling 
throughout New York City as a high school kid while riding the subway. The amount of less fortunate people I've seen on the train over the years is incredible. I mean, what do you think? What are your experiences taking public transportation and seeing these these people? So uh, when I leave for work, um, sometimes at 6 a.m., sometimes it's been 5. When I used to work out in uh, Coney Island, mm-hmm. I wouldn't leave work sometimes till 2 a.m. So it was guaranteed to see a homeless person on the train. So it's I'm quite familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Point number two is, how can we say that we are born-again believers and we refuse to help anybody with food, change, whatever we can do to help them? To me, that's a question that I have every day. That's a question that I wonder if people ask themselves. You know, I think that a lot of us, like I mentioned in the second episode, is that a lot of us are in a place of superiority and we're in a place of comfortability, and we don't think that we are a step away from being just where they are. And to me, I think John is asking a very important question. It's like, how can you say that God is in you and that the love of God is in you, and then you see something like that and continue to walk? Pay no attention to it. Don't acknowledge it. Or maybe you do, but it's not on your mind. You're more concerned about your own issues. But guess what? You have a place to lay your head. You have food to eat, even if it's ramen noodles, right? You have something. But to look at these individuals and pay them no attention to me, to me, is is is, is a huge problem. And it's something that I want people to reflect upon and think, you know, when you see that, why aren't you helping them? Even why aren't you, you a considered? bad attitude, you know? Um... That's something I want to throw in as well, because I've noticed when it comes to like giving to the homeless or giving to people who are less fortunate than you, um, sometimes people wondering what the person is going to do with the money that you give them. Or if you have mm-hmm. like a bottle of water or something, it's like, oh, I, I remember some people be like, well, he's just going to go to the movies anyway with the money I give him or he's just going to go buy cigarettes or he's going to do this, that or the third with it. and. My thing is once I once it leaves my hand, I don't really concern myself with what it is that they're gonna do. Whatever they're gonna do, I'm sure it's gonna either bring them some type of relief from the the struggle mm-hmm. that they gotta face with that every single day, or it's gonna benefit them in some type of way that's you know, that they feel is healthy for them. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Let me just throw a verse out there. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six to seven. It says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not redu- not reluctantly or under compulsive, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the reason why That's I mentioned that, what happened? That's a bar. Okay, okay, it's <laughs> a bar then. Now, the reason why I mentioned that verse. Is because the same concern you've had, I've also had this discussion with Boca in Bible study, and we talked about how he would tell me that he always was concerned about giving something to somebody because all they're going to do is take it and drink. What they're going to do is take it and use it for something that's not, you know, what he originally thought they would use it for. And you know what I would tell him? 
I would tell him this, and this is a precaution that I took, right? Well, for one, when it comes to having or when it comes to the virtues, right? There are seven virtues in the Bible, the seven heavenly virtues, right? And that's faith, hope, charity, fortitude, justice, temperance, and prudence. And the reason why I mention that is that sometimes financially is not the only way you can give. Mm. There's another thing that's valuable, and that's time, volunteering, charity. So if you're really concerned about where your money is going, you can take that time and you can use it in another way. Charity, right? Go to a shelter and volunteer, right? If you want your money to be in a place where you think it's going to be more fruitful and more beneficial, you know, make sure you know who you're sending that money. But this is something that I prom- I do from a personal standpoint is I don't give out money. What I do is I go over to the person and I talk with them. And then I go with them inside the store and I ask them what they want, whether it's McDonald's, whether it's Burger King, whether it's the corner store. They want a sandwich. They want something to drink. They want water. You know, there's been plenty of times I'm at a gas station and the guy's like, let me get coffee. And it took me the third time to realize that coffee is a hot beverage and it warms them up while they're standing there. Mm. And I never thought about it like that. But over time, it made me reflect and made me ask, well, why are they asking for coffee? And that's something I came to understand. But if there's anything I've learned is that I don't give money because this is something you taught me. Don't be an enabler. Don't enable mm-hmm. somebody. If they're drunk, right? If they want the money to get drunk, don't be the reason why they pass out. Don't be the reason why they're in danger. Rather, what you do is you're not enabling them, but you're giving something to them that they're going to use. And if they reject your food, if they reject the opportunity to get a meal, then guess what? I guess they're not very hungry, right? Hey, that's one way. That's probably the biggest one. Yep. Yeah, so that's something I did. Sometimes you got to go far and beyond about what your intentions are and make sure that your intentions is backed up at least with a good mind, right? That you're at peace with what you've done and that they're benefiting that, benefiting from your hand, you know? Yeah. So. Point number three. Say that one more time. Complex situation. Yeah, it is. It's a complex situation because there's so many scenarios that can play out. And, you know, you're always concerned about those scenarios because you don't want it to turn out to be that it was your money that put that person in the hospital. It was your money that had them run onto the street and, you know, instantly die. So you want to make sure that you're intentional about how you want to go about it, but you want to make sure that your consciousness clears well. Right. Good. Right. So Good point number three is love is not a matter of what you say. It's about what you do. Right. And I want to use the gospel of John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What I've come to learn is that love is an action word. In fact, you know, trust is something you earn back with what, Daniel? Change behavior. Yep. And therefore, love is to give at the expense of oneself while benefiting one that is being of the reciprocator, right? So if there's anything that I've done today, 
is that my mom wanted me to water her plants. And rather than say, you know, I'm loving you or I love you, I expressed it by going out there in that heat and watering those plants, right? Obviously, there's something called the five love languages, and everyone experiences love differently and receives love differently. But I'm speaking in terms of... hmm? Acts of service? Yes, absolutely. There you go. Acts of service, right? And I realized that, you know, her plants are very important to her. And rather than say things with no intention, I went out there and I did what was necessary to make her happy. And I feel like a lot of us, when it comes to love, a reason why love is so absent in some people's lives is because there's no action. Yeah, so the point is, is that you want to be intentional and you want a person to experience love, not just by word of speech, not just by what you say, but with action. So let's go into point number four. One of the ways that God communicates with us is through the heart. When you do something wrong, guess what? Most attribute that feeling to guilt. When in fact, it's really what's really going on is God is condemning you, right? The scripture says that if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Therefore, our hearts can be used as a measuring tool to do what is right because our ability to do what is right is within. We just need to be guided by the love that Jesus has shown us. In fact, I want to take us to 1 John chapter 4, and I want us to read verse 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Yeah, so that verse is very powerful. And I read it all the time. And this is one of the reasons why First John is one of my favorite books to read. And it was my first book to read, right? The way in which we experience God's love is when we love one another, right? You can imagine the mindset and the thought process I had when I discovered this, right? The love that God has for us is sometimes expressed through people. It is not always the people that you know. It could be from complete strangers, right? So imagine, right, when you look over your life, how often someone has come over and checked on you. And you have no idea who this person is, but they came over and they spoken to you, right? Sometimes people show up and they smile, right? It's because that's God's way of either cheering you up. That's God's way of showing you that things are going to be okay. And to me, I think so often people neglect or they don't understand that a blessing is coming through someone else. Blessings don't always come from the people that you know. 
blessings instead come from, mm. come from people that you don't know. And to me, this is one of the reasons why I speak about having an understanding of your Bible and reading your Bible is because if you know that, then guess what? When someone comes into your life and they want to bless you, maybe they want to buy your dinner, right? Maybe they want to assist you and you're short and you need change. That's God's way of showing up in that moment, right? So don't view as what is happened to you as charity. View it as God helping you in that moment, in that time where you need it the most. So, I mean, what do you think about that, Daniel, now that I've said that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I always think that um, things don't happen in the way that we want them to. I mean, I feel like that rarely happens as it is. So, Uh sometimes being blessed in a way that you may not understand in doesn't mean that you aren't blessed or you aren't like God isn't showing his love for you. It's just sometimes you may not understand the love that you're receiving. So, Uh I agree 100%. And it's his love. In fact, I think what goes on too is that people expect as I was telling you in the beginning, is that you have this visual of how God's going to do something. You don't realize that the visual that you have, remember, his ways and his thoughts are not the same ways ours is. And therefore, how it's coming to you, you're not ready. You're not ready because you don't understand how he operates. You don't understand the way he operates. And that's why sometimes things like that, you know, come off as a surprise to you. Right. So here's one other story that I encourage people to read. Right. Because it provides the same example about love. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. I encourage people to check that out because I think it's something that can be useful. It's something that can be applied. Now, this is one other thing I want to show people. I want to take people to Matthew 25 and I want to read verses 35 through 40. And this is something that I've also thought to be very powerful and encouraging, right? And it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see me hungry and fed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see a stranger and invite you in or need a clothes and clothe you? When did you see you sick or in prison or went to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers and sisters, you have done for me. So. When we are doing for others, we are expressing the love that God put inside of us. We are being a blessing to others. You see, God sends humans to solve human problems. And the reason why that love is inside of us is because of the Holy Spirit. So people are always questioning, well, how does God manifest, right? How does God operating? What a lot of people don't understand is God is operating through you. God is operating through you. And therefore, when you see one, some, someone that needs help or assistance, don't point to them and say, don't worry, your blessing is right around the corner. Because guess what? You might be that person that's going to do that. You might be the very person that can make their day. So rather than look to someone else to do that, how about you take out the opportunity to be that blessing to them? 
right? Be that blessing to someone. Now, here's the last test I want to point to everyone to check. And again, this is part of my argument on how I began to understand how God's love is being expressed and how we experience it. Is I look at the book of Judges, the Old Testament book, and I'm going to look at chapter six. And I'm going to look at the verse 13 through 16. And then from there, I'm going to read. And then we're going to close this up pretty soon. And it says. Just pulling it up. Pardon me, my Lord. Gileon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Not the Lord bring us out of Egypt, but the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of, not sure what his name is. <laughs> Trust the me. Lord turned to him and mm-hmm. said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Medean's hand. And I am not sending you. Pardon me, my Lord, Gileon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and What's the, what's the place? In my family, the Lord answered, I will be with you. You're, you know, some of these names, let me be <laughs> clear, honestly, a lot yeah. of people can't pronounce them because it, it has to do with culture, right? right? And therefore, a lot of these names are only understood within the culture. But no worries. The point is, is I want people to know that many of us are Gideon, right? We are called to be great mm-hmm. and we are called to be little lights in the world to provide assistance with a problem. We also bring love to people who need it, right? So I want people to understand that the most important point in that text is when God said, am I not sending you? That elevates the point that I made that God sends humans to solve human problems. So a lot of the answers that we have in regards to experiencing God's love, understanding God's love, he's provided for us through the Holy Spirit. He's given us the answers to the tests, right? Figuratively, so to speak. I just think that when you lack understanding and information when it comes to the scripture, then your understanding about God is dimmed, right? And it comes from other people who they themselves have no idea. So I want to mention a personal story. And then I want to make a suggestion to a song. And... You know, and I think that, you know, to some degree, I believe songs, as I mentioned earlier, have the ability to express things that words can't. You put a little melody to it. It's much easier for a person to understand and to get and to apply. You know, in my opinion, a painting is more than than the sum of its parts. Right. And. The reason why I say that is the same way they say that a painting has means a thousand words. I believe the same thing can be said about a song, that it has the ability to open your perspective and things to a whole new world. Now, I just want to share a personal story. So this happened to me actually last week. And I actually went out to the store to get a dustpan. and. One of the things that happened was I needed to go to the bank. And upon going to the bank, I saw an older man at the bank on the ground rolling all over the floor. And you know what was happening? You could tell right away he hasn't bathed in weeks. 
and he was scratching himself and scratching himself so much that he started bleeding. And immediately what went through my mind is, man, he needs a bath. He needs a lot. And I went over to him. And obviously, you know, I understand the pandemic. People are trying to avoid being sick. People are trying to avoid, you know, catching anything. But I felt the love of God through me. And I went to go and see what I could do for him. And I asked him, I said, hey, are you hungry? And he says, yes, yes, I'm hungry. And I noticed that he was suffering from another deficiency. He couldn't see. He couldn't see. He was blind. So I asked him, well, what do you want to eat? And he said he wanted a pastrami sandwich in Arizona. And I said, well, which store? So what was amazing is he knew the store, but he had an issue walking over there. So I assisted him. I got him to the store. And he sat outside. He actually sat on the train station steps. And I went in there and I told him to come in with me. And it seemed like they were familiar. They knew the guy. And I told them, you know, I told him to order his sandwich. And I went and got an Arizona. In fact, I got two Arizona, right? And I knew that God's love wasn't just being expressed through me. But the guy behind the counter told me everything was eight bucks. But then he turned around and just charged me five dollars. So he participated in my ability to be of assistance for this guy. And, you know, I thought that was a major step, right? It was a major step because I realized that not only was I doing the right thing, but he was doing the right thing as well. He participated in my kindness and generosity for this man. And after the stuff was done, I handed it to him. And I wish I could do more. But from a place of where I'm at in life, I realized that that was the best I can do. And I gave him the sandwich and I gave him the Arizona. And I went about the rest of my day and the rest of my day, I just remembered that, Hey, that's the best that I can do. I can get him something to eat. I can get him something to drink. And hopefully, you know, he can find a place to get a bath and he can find a place to lay his head. So, you know, I wanted to share that personal story and I wanted to show people that it's through my knowledge and understanding of God's word that in that moment, If I ignored him, then I would be doing exactly what the scripture says I shouldn't do. But in fact, by doing something for the least of these, I've done it for God. And to me, it's all about clear intentions. It's all about doing what's right. So I want, I I wanted to say, like, um, you know, honestly, I didn't think I'll have any comments to really make, but, um, First of all, like, that's, I didn't even know that happened, so I'm hearing it for the first time, like, many of you guys listening are, and I just wanted to also add that it doesn't always have to be, um, wow, that's a beautiful thing. Sometimes it's not, you, you would, you would think that situation right there is an extreme example, but you can also do the same thing when it comes to just everyday life as well, like maybe you having a conversation with a friend or, you know, a coworker may be struggling with something. You just maybe taking the time to sit down and listen to them. Good point. It's five or, you know, 10 minutes. Um, that's the same level of service um, as 
what my brother did in that bank. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point because you never know where a person is mentally, right? They could mm-hmm. potentially be wanting to take their life. They could be in a place where they feel like no one loves them, right? No one's a, uh, is accepting of them, and therefore, I think if we all did a little, then none of us have to do too much. If we all did a little, then nev- none of us will have to do a lot. And I think that that's the point here, is that as I mentioned in the last episode, that we are the eyes and the feet of Jesus Christ. And I think it's admirable for us to try to do what we can and assist in the people that are around us. Therefore, that they can see what it's like to be loved and appreciated, even if they're not receiving that at home and they're not receiving that from people that are surrounding them. Never never put a person in a position to think that, you know, God does not love them. He does not care about them. Because in the end, how you conduct yourself and how you act is a mere example of why we are examples of Christ in the world. So to sum this all up, all up I want everyone to check out a song by Kurt Franklin and it's called Last Jesus. To me personally, it really puts this whole discussion in proper perspective. Again, the name of the song is Last Jesus, and it's off his album, The Fight of My Life. And I think without question, when I hear that song, just like you mentioned earlier, I get goosebumps because to me, I can tell that that song was an expression of his personal experience. And to me, when I heard that song immediately, or I thought about that song, I realized how it can be paired with this message, this discussion we had today. So that, and I also want to recommend, again, people to read the two parables, the prodigy son and the good Samaritan, for context as well. So would you like to end this with a prayer, Daniel? Sure. Okay. Everyone, bow your heads. That's what you're into. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, I would simply like to say thank you. Not only for your word, but because I feel like we gained something today. And whether that something is small for some or big for others, I understand that it is through little victories that we become better. As we depart each other to continue our walk in this world, I pray that our hearts understand love a little bit more than before, and we find many more ways to apply it. For our listeners who may encounter hardship throughout the week, ask that Romans 8, verse 5 and 6 always be with them. You said, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Through love and staying focused on the things that are important to us, I ask you, Lord, that we may operate through the framework of your word and be a good representation of how you see us. When we lift our heads, I ask that all we have learned today is given to all who encounter us by the strength of our character, the power of our mindset, and the energy of our actions. May we be patient, calm, and disciplined, and accomplish all we set out to achieve. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.